Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Now, an Irish firefighter has been travelling to Ukraine since the the beginning of the war there to bring aid uh, to many civilians. And Andrew Laced is with me on the line from Ukraine this afternoon. Um, Andrew, why did you decide to do this in the first place? I suppose uh, originally um, I was, um, since the start of the my, my initial plan was to evacuate my father from the gangs, which is the... <laughs> And uh, while I was at it, I wasn't going to just go over to Ukraine without anything with me. I hired a tenure service back in 2017 to open up my emergency medical training company. So I'm also a qualified EMT and a clinical educator. Um, so my business kind of trains um, medics, firefighters, paramedics, police officers, uh, members of the defence forces and general members of the public. But also we deal in uh, medical supplies. So I have access to, um, you know, supply markets and I wanted mm. to make sure that, you know, advanced medical supplies and humanitarian aid could get right into the heart of Ukraine where the people uh, needed it most and especially the medics. So that was the, the, the reason you were going over, as you say, to, to help um, to evacuate your, your father-in-law as well. And, and when was that, first of all, Andrew? Well, that was back in, I think I landed in Ukraine on the 5th of March. Uh, of okay. last year. Now, I've been in and out of Ukraine for the last 10 years. Um, but, you know, obviously since the start of the invasion, uh, which was back in February 24th there of last year, mm. you know, this war actually happened or, or begun back in 2014 with the annexation of Crimea and Donbass. But because Kiev was surrounded and because of so much uh, devastation and destruction was going on from the, you know, the, the, the Russian Federation, uh, it, it was kind of more at the forefront of, of news and world news at that time. So my initial plan was to try and get my father-in-law out, but I knew how difficult that task was going to be. And I knew it was going to be a situation whereby it was kind of a hurry up and wait situation. And I wanted to be as productive as I possibly mm-hmm. could over there by bringing medical supplies and humanitarian aid at the same time. So how many how many times or trips, Andrew, since last March have you been over and back? This is my fourth trip. So I suppose the cumulative time, maybe what that would equate to, was probably about seven months, maybe, in country. Okay. Um, so yeah, so kind of over and back. I kind of burn very hot and fast. So you, you do run the risk of burnout very, very quickly over here because of, you know, the length of the, the, the drive and travel and the type of work that we, we would do over here and the amount of time or hours a day we would work, which is anything upwards of 16, 17, 18 hours per day. So it's kind of a... It, you, you run the risk of burnout very quickly yeah. over here. Listen, in the time that you've been over and back, like as you say, you've you know effectively seven months um, in terms of the period you've spent. But what's your assessment, Andrew? Like how how are things there at the moment, and just just the, just the general feeling when you're chatting to people? Yeah, I mean, look, Ukraine as a whole is a massive, massive country. I mean, people really don't understand the size of the scale of the country. Not everywhere in Ukraine is front line. Back in March, there was a huge amount of territory occupied, but also there was a huge amount of, of front line locations. Obviously, with the, the pushback there in the summer of last year, you, Ukraine regained territory back. So now the front line is... Um, 
kind of, I won't say restricted to, but it's in and around the Donbass region, which is the equivalent of the size of Ireland. Then you have the regions then where you have Mariupol, Crimea, uh, southern Kherson and Zaporizhia, which again, you could add, you know, uh, a landmass the size of Ireland again. So the landmass that is under um, occupation now at the moment is probably twice the size of Ireland at this moment in time. In these frontline um regions mm. the devastation is just absolutely horrific here. have you noticed um, changes I mean, like in in the time that you've been there in in what what sense well what it, it, like just in i suppose the just chatting to to ukrainian people they're 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 their feeling, I suppose, towards it. I mean, how how they're doing. The, the reason I ask is because I, I spoke to a number of Ukrainian um, people on the show last Friday, actually, you know, on the, on the first anniversary, mm-hmm. who've moved to Ireland and settled here. And, and I said to them, you know, like, your, your family at home must be so, you know, you must be so worried about them. How are they dealing with it? And one of the, one of the, the, um, the ladies in the show, Alex, she said, like, you know, her mum is there and she's just getting on with it. You know, just things, if they've nearly got used to it in, in many ways, which is just unbelievable. Unfortunately, that is the case. It's the case that th- this has become a normal day-to-day occurrence in life for them. Uh, I mean, I have been staying in the Kharkiv region there, which is eastern Ukraine, and we could hear maybe three, four explosions within a couple of kilometres of us. And this is every day, every single day. So this has become a normal day-to-day occurrence for the Ukrainian people, especially in the frontline locations. And the the harsh reality of it as well is that you know, Ukrainian people, while, yes, they may be getting used to this, you know, their resolve and their morale is still quite high. You know, Ukrainian people are very much like Irish people. I've always said that. They're very, very hardworking people. You know, they love their families. They love their religion. You know, they, they you know, they, they just want to go back to normal life. They don't want any uh, inch of Russian territory. They just want their own homes, their own land Mm. back, and they want to go back to normal lives where their kids can go to school again. They can go and celebrate birthdays and barbecues and different life life events like this. And and it's just sad, really, you know. Yeah, no doubt about it. How how long, Andrew, do you intend to continue travelling over and back for? Because you, you family at home, don't you, in Ireland? I do indeed, yeah. So obviously, yeah, look, with my own family, they they understood, you know, uh, my reasons for coming over here. Obviously, the fact that I did actually manage to evacuate my father-in-law, Victor, uh, from uh, eastern Ukraine back in May. And I had huge help from um, the the HSE critical care team here, uh, obviously back home in Ireland, and also with the Irish Air Corps, who uh, were able to medevac him out. But I couldn't still stay at home and just, you know, let the Ukrainian people over here, you know, struggle, uh, especially with my skill set. You know, I educate. This is what I do. I train people how to save other people, whether it's emergency response teams or, you know, um, critical care teams, you know, cardiac response, all these kind of different uh, health and safety and medical training courses. So I knew my skill set was very valuable to the Ukrainian people over here. And again, this is what I'm doing. I'm trying to come over uh, with humanitarian aid and medical supplies, but also, you know, to help the Ukrainian people, um, you know, to, to to survive, to keep going, you know. And, uh, you know, it's very difficult for them because I have friends and, and uh, you know, family over mm. here and it's it's so difficult, you know, for them. Listen, it's it's incredible uh, work what you're what you're doing, Andrew. And I mean, to think, as you say, you've four trips that nearly total about about seven months. How long in this trip do you think? How much longer do you think you'll be there before you get back? Um, I I I would imagine I could be here for another two months. To be perfectly honest with you, I mean, we're all waiting yeah. for this. Um, 
secondary push or the, the the spring offensive is what they call it. So once the snow thaws, you know, the ground becomes very, very soft here in Ukraine. Um, you know, that has its advantages for the defence of mm. Ukrainian territory. But obviously then, you know, once the ground hardens, you know, it's anyone's game then where, you know, there's going to be advancements on both sides. So I knew, you know, my skill set is going to be, you know, required here to help to train people to save as many lives as possible while we're here. So I'm here probably until mid-April before I'll burn out and then I'll come back home for a rest and, and see my boy and I'll be back out yeah, again. Then I'm sure he's missing you terribly, Andrew. Yeah, he is. He is. And he's a good boy. He's a you know, great, great uh, little man. Alexander is his name. Uh, but he knows dad and, and uh, you know, he knows that I've been a firefighter for 10 years and I'm, I'm a medic, obviously, and I train medics and you know, it's it's difficult for yeah. him, but oh, yeah. uh, at the same time, he he understands and and he's he's been so good and so supportive. He's he's my number one fan, oh. so I'm so grateful to him. Well, listen, Andrew, thanks a million for for taking the time today um, to chat to us here on on the program, and, and mind yourself when you're when you're out there as well. Um, incredible no work, problem. yeah, Andrew Last there joining us from uh, from Ukraine this afternoon. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Avant Money. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.